0: So today we are in week four of our Advent sermon series called Luke's Christmas. And, and as you guys know, really all we're doing in this series is simply walking through the Christmas story according to the gospel of Luke to get at and hopefully experience the real meaning of Christmas. So now that we have made our way through the first part of Luke's Christmas, what I hope you are starting to see is is how this story is building towards a climax. Or how, like a good book or movie, builds tension and excitement into the plot line to get us ready for what's most important. This story has been building towards an event that is so big that nothing's ever going to be the same again. In the Zach and Liz story, we discovered that God was going to give this old, barren couple a child who who would go on to change the world which was then an excitement that is taken to the next level as Mary encounters the angel Gabriel. And this angel tells this 12 to 15-year-old girl that not only is she going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, but she's going to give birth to God. And just when he thought, I couldn't get any bigger than that, Luke tells us about this spirit-filled baby jumping for joy in his mother's womb. And Zach and Liz actually going on to have a child who would then be God's... The the opening act of God's grand entrance into the world, which is then capped off by Mary and Zechariah being filled with the spirit of the living God, proclaiming that not only is the creator of the universe about to show up, but that the reason he's coming is to save us. Or is to take this world as it is and all of its sin and evil and darkness and death and begin to make things right. Or like a drum roll getting faster and faster and louder and louder as it builds towards climax. These events are building our anticipation and excitement to prepare us for what's about to happen next. Which means at this point in the story, you should be sitting on the edge of your seats because you can't wait to hear what's going to happen next. How are you going to beat what has come before it? How is it going to be any bigger? Right? But here's the strange thing about this story. Just when we get to the point that we've been waiting for this whole entire time, right? The climax, this is what we find. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. It was taken while Corinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and the family of David. Or notice that as we have finally gotten to the part of the story that we have all been waiting for, what we discover is not more miraculous and amazing things taking place, right? That's where it was headed. At least that's what it seemed. But instead are told about how Mary and Joseph were being forced to travel from Bethlehem, excuse me, from Nazareth to Bethlehem to register for the Roman census. Or the picture we're given here, as Luke's supposed to be getting into the good stuff, is not something spectacular like the Roman emperor making a trip to the outskirts of the empire to to welcome God into the world, but instead this emperor speaking a command, which then in turn forces Mary and Joseph, and and Mary is nine months pregnant pregnant at this point. To make a seven-day trip back to Bethlehem to be counted. And the reason they're being counted is so that eventually they can be taxed. Right? This is all about taxation here. And there's nothing spectacular about that. Which in turn is a situation that doesn't get any better when they finally arrive in Bethlehem because... While they were there, while they're away from their family and friends, the time came for her to deliver her child. The time came for Mary to give birth to this boy. Now, of course, today, most of the time, the birth of a child is a joyous and relatively safe event that people get really excited about because it really doesn't get much bigger than having children today. Right? I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things you will experience in your life. But what you need to keep in mind about giving birth in the ancient world is that even though it was exciting, even though it was something they looked forward to, it was also a very scary and dangerous endeavor, especially for the mother. Or according to some scholars, the death rate among newborn babies at that time was more than 70%. That's right. It is estimated out of 100 births in the ancient world, 70 infants died. And that's not even taking into account the death rate among women who gave birth at that time. So what that means for Mary and Joseph, which we usually don't think about because we like our Christmases warm and fuzzy is that the birth of Jesus was not some warm and fuzzy event in a birthing suite with angelic music playing in the background. It was a difficult, painful, scary event where they had to worry about the survival of both Jesus and Mary. Which, by the way, is something they're experiencing, not at home, surrounded by their family and friends. That's how it worked in the ancient world. But it's something that's happening to them in a barn because the local hotel is full. And again, this is anything but spectacular. Or, or, parents, to really get a sense of what God's grand entrance into the world was like, what I want you to do is, I want you to take a moment and, and think back to the events surrounding the birth of one of your children. And once you've got that in mind, then I want you to take away the hospital would you take away the pain-killing drugs, sterilization, the doctors and the nurses, and imagine having your child in a barn with only your spouse there to help? Because that is how the Creator of the universe made his grand entrance into the world. No miracles, no angels, no babies leaping in wombs, no spirit-filled prophecy. No, all that happens is that a baby is born in a barn. And then because they didn't have any blankets or a baby bed, you know, because they're not prepared for this. What we find Mary and Joseph doing with the creator of the universe after he is born is wrapping him up in bands and cloth. Which... We're probably just pieces of cloth lying around the barn, which is disgusting when you think about it. And then laying him in a feeding trough or laying him in the place where animals eat because they have no other option. Or again, notice that after Luke tells us about all the amazing and miraculous things that, that lead up to this moment, like a drum roll getting louder and louder and faster and faster, what actually happens as we get to the pinnacle of this story is not something spectacular, but a baby born in a barn and laid in a feeding trough. Merry Christmas. The amazing thing about this story is that if you have eyes to see what's really going on here, you will realize that the not-so-spectacular is actually the point. That the big letdown that seems to happen through the birth of Jesus is actually not a letdown at all, but instead really the pinnacle or the climax of this story Because the way this story plays out is that before Jesus is born, all of those angelic visitations and miracles happen to clearly help us to see in a way that couldn't be denied that what is happening in all of this is no doubt something that is going to change the world forever. No doubt something that has to be from God. But then once that's established or once that's understood, it's like God took away all the bells and whistles and he let things fall silent to help us to realize that the most incredible miracle happening here is not something you can see on the outside. It's God becoming one of us. Or in this seemingly unspectacular and scary event, what is actually going on here is that the creator of the universe is stepping down off his throne of power and glory and might to become a helpless human baby Boy, the God, the creator of all of this, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end is emptying himself of all of that to really become fully human. And you don't need bells and whistles for that, right? That's as big as it gets. In fact, you need to take away the bells and whistles to begin to see just how miraculous that really is. And the funny thing is, to me at least, is we tell this story, we think about this story like it's normal. Like it's not drenched in the miraculous. Like it's not the most amazing thing we have ever heard on the planet. And we've got to get past that. We've got to see this story for what it really is. One of the biggest things to happen in the history of the world. But what takes this miracle even further than all of that is that as you follow the story of this child as he grows up or as you follow the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the gospel of Luke, what you'll discover on a closer reading is that the reason all of this is happening or the reason why God has emptied himself to become human is not only to take this world as it is, And begin to make things right. Which is what we talked about last week. But most importantly. The reason God has done this. Is for you. And everyone else who has ever lived. Christmas is about you. God was thinking about you. When he did this. Because what God longs for. More than anything else. In his existence. Is to know. And be known. By you. That should take your breath away every single time you think about it. Or what Luke is trying to get us to see through this unbelievable story is that our God, because of his unconditional love and longing for every single one of us, was actually doing whatever it takes so that we could know and be known by Come on, people. We just act like, oh, that's normal. That's normal, yeah. Creator of the universe, we know him, yeah. Come on. That's what Christmas is all about. And here's the other thing about this. This is the other mind-blowing thing that we just take for granted this time of year. You want to know how you find this God who was born into the world? You don't have to go searching high and low. You don't have to read all the theology books. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do right where you are, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, is just cry out. Here I am. Oh God, come. Here I am, oh God. Help. Here I am, oh God. Save me. Here I am, God. Deliver me. Set me free. Or ultimately, what Christmas is all about. And I'm pretty sure it's something we all need to be crying out every single day. Maybe the first thing we do in the morning. Here I am, oh God. Help. Here I am, oh God. Save me. Here I am, oh God. I invite you into my life. Let us pray. Father, now that we have made it to the the strange pinnacle of this story, help us to see that that the miracle going on here is you becoming one of us. We don't get it. We don't understand it. There's there's no real explanation for it. We just know it to be true because of our experience. So, Lord, Lord, Help us this Christmas season not to get caught up in what Christmas has become. But instead to call out to you. Here we are, O Lord. Save us. Here we are, O Lord. Help. Here we are, O Lord. We want to know you more. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And now in response to what Christmas is really all about, we we come to this table. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. He blessed it and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body and broken for you. Then in the same manner after dinner, he took the cup and he blessed it. He says, this is the cup that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do so in remembrance of our Lord. And so as we come to this table today that that represents the death and the resurrection of the one who was born into the world, may we call out, here I am, O Lord, meet me here. Let us pray. Lord, we're here. We come to this table. And what we want most for Christmas, or what we want most for every part of our life, is to know and be known by you. So here we are, O Lord. Come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.